Welcome back to the Space Hour. I'm Eric White. Mandy Vaughn has been one of the most evangelical about new space technology over the last several years, having started as an engineer with the Air Force to now being the president of Vox Space and a member of the National Space Council's Users Advisory Group. I got the chance to pick her brain a bit about what the future of the commercial space industry may look like from all sides. It's a, just such an exciting time across the industry, whether you're in the, the launch business, the civil space business. Um, it's just it's just thrilling. So I think that kind of leads to what is something that the new administration can do. I think it's whatever the body is. It's, uh, let's make sure that we're continuing to see space and, and all the facets of the industry as something that is broadly important to us from a national security, from an economic, and um, from basically an, an area of just kind of joint national pride, right? I mean, this is something where we could all participate, uh, we can all have a role, and um, really emphasizing that space is something that touches all of our daily lives uh, can take a form, whether it's the National Space Council or coming through another area of the White House, OSTP, or the National Security Council, whatever it is, but maintaining that emphasis at a high level and from an interagency perspective, um, I think is is critical to keep this momentum going. You are beyond a veteran in this uh, industry. Uh, what, what have you What have you seen uh, over the past? You know, even just a few, last few years, uh, the increase in not just dollars but interest um, and and attention being paid towards not just space itself but the commercial space industry. Sure, and I think um, I'm not sure if you just called me old or not. But no, no, of course not. Just experienced. <laughs> <with> experienced. <laughs> But I think it's uh, um, in terms of some of the recent areas of where this momentum is really coming from, it's twofold. I think one area is just some of the areas of, of technology where there's been maturation in things that have enabled space to be more accessible. And when I say more accessible, I don't just mean through physical access through launch, although that's obviously one very um, near and dear to my heart, and also very public way that you can see space access improving. Um, it's very much through the technology that allows satellites to become more affordable, easier to build, smaller, so then they're cheaper to launch, um, functionally just a little bit more robust in every way you can measure the word robust. So then what that allows to happen is both access to space and operating through space in some ways can even become almost commoditized to where then uh, investors, investigators, um, scientists can focus on what's really new and hard. If it's what is that new phenomena that they want to study or what is this new application of moving data around that they want to experiment with rather than the whole end-to-end -end challenge of how do we operate to, in, and through space. Uh, so I think that has that technological momentum has has really, really taken off, which allows this commercial sector to start really innovating uh, incredibly rapidly. And then that's where on the administration side, it's like, hey, OK, you need to be ready for that. Right. You need to be ready to embrace that and react to it and also help lead it. Um, continuing to look at how can we streamline regulation, uh, how can we show a good foundation in terms of, of norms of behavior and expectations of behavior, contract and business 
norms. Um, those are all very, very broad areas where that's where the administration, I think, needs to continue in some ways and start in some other ways of, of looking ahead as to how can we enable this to really take off and keep going. You know, I'm curious, you're a member of, you know, several of these uh, oversight boards and what are these meetings like? Is everyone kind of on the same page of where things are going or are there a lot of diverging views of, you know, or, you know, if we do this, is this ethical or, um, you know, is this achievable? Is this worth our time? I think it's it's fun that it, I'm starting to see more uh, and trying to push for more divergent views and one example is is uh, in the UAG itself, right? It's like, okay, this is uh, the user's advisory group for the Space Council. In many ways, we are of like mind because it's, you know, obviously we're all fans of, of the space program, whether it's um, important things in the national security or uh, exploration and science. Um, so I think we're all of like mind in that regard, but then we certainly all differ in terms of um, what does normal look like? How diverse should um, portfolios or architectures be? Um, what are all of our risk postures are incredibly different in terms of how far forward are we willing to lean for some programs versus another? Um, and in areas kind of more on the industrial side, whether it's the National Security Space Association uh, or other such industrial groups, I'm happy to see um, a lot more diversity in, in kind of the ecosystem that's really becoming engaged in these these groups in terms of uh, the, I, I use the air quote of, of new space ecosystem, even though that's kind of an old term, uh, but these are not just your traditional large contractors that have kind of been the bulk of the industry for a long time. So we're tr really trying to change the discussion uh, and say, hey, because that helps us, right? Because if we can, all innovate faster and have access to more areas of the market in, in a more robust and seamless way, that just helps all of us. So we're starting to see, I think, more diversity of thought in what would be the more traditional um, boards or associations, which, which I think just makes the conversation richer. Everything we've talked about so far, you've you know, outlined a industry that is on a momentous push. Um, was there, and I don't want you to, you to pinpoint or anything, but was there one breakthrough or one change in thought or one idea that that you can remember, um, whether it was you're in, you were involved with it or not, that kind of pushed things over the edge, or was it just a culmination of new things? Um, I think it's largely a culmination of a lot of things, and I, I, I rather than pointing to a specific technology or something. I, what I had mentioned earlier in terms of, um, I think what I see as a large breakthrough is space access has been able to start becoming commoditized and regular. Um, that can really change the world. So it's really kind of almost more of an operational breakthrough, but the underlying technologies that have made that possible are of course fantastically broad and interesting unto their own right. Like, I think, again, launch is a great example. Um, it feels like SpaceX is launching every day right now, which is just incredible, right? I, I can read the news one day. I'm like, oh, they launched. I didn't even know they were launching yesterday. Yeah, you're starting to forget about them. Even you, you're starting. Oh, yeah. 
Right. And it's a virgin orbit with what we just accomplished there, launching a, a liquid fuel rocket from a 747. Um, so fast forward with those examples, like, okay, could you imagine a world where 747s take off every day all over the world, but then now let's imagine a world where they can do that and launch a satellite and we can have starships going up and down all over the world and you don't necessarily stop driving your car to watch because it's just another 747, right? So that's that's a world that I think is fun to imagine and um, eye-watering in terms of that, okay, what does that mean in terms of this constant access movement through and bringing things back from space that could really enable an ecosystem and an economy that's very different than what we have now. Speaking more towards the future, uh, with your military background, so to speak, what do you think about the increasing role that this area is going to be playing in the national security realm? I think this area, I think it's very important that the the DOD and the intelligence community and specifically the Space Force really lean in on this because it's one where the commercial sector is so vibrant and so varied and hungry to be involved in it. You know, we've got a, a whole group of, you know, really good, fun, patriotic Americans that want to have a role. And um, so I think working with now the Space Force is nascent and we have a good opportunity. What are ways that they can embrace innovation faster? Um, how can they tap into some of these companies that are at a precipice of, of a good start or a new idea, but in a way that has more legs than a lot of things that they've done to date. So I think what they've done to date, a lot of it is awesome. I mean, you've got the, the AF works and the uh, space works and these pitch days, which are, are, are great, um, exciting, and definitely are a way that they can move faster. But they're still relatively low dollar and they're kind of just little flashes of, of support that it's different than an underlying discussion on what are the, real, the requirements, what are the needs. And again, it's a risk posture question of saying, hey, let's let's pull in some of your data and let's make real operational decisions based on it. And that's a different level of comfort. Um that I think requires more conversation and, you know, I'm doing everything I can to say, Hey, how can we help lean in and have the space force be involved in investment decisions, technology roadmaps? Um, how do we make sure that these commercial entities really are developing something that they, the space force or other government entities can in the future more easily buy? Part of creating more of that stable relationship workforce comes into play uh, I have to I have to get in touch with you on your workforce since you were recently just named the uh, head of the National Security Space Association's Education and Workforce Development Center. There's been an issue with in different areas as well. The, you know, the STEM work workers are few and far between. Um, diversity is an issue there as well. Uh, what do you think that the public and private sectors can do uh, to create a larger base for workers that are obviously going to be needed in this uh, budding industry? Right. And this is one where um, through the National Security Council Users Advisory Group, one of the groups was the Education and Outreach Subcommittee led by Eileen Collins. And we were able to receive um, a slew of just amazing briefings from uh, educators, legislators, uh, in terms of what are their needs, what are the trends, and um, just kind of the, the expanse of the problem. 
um, in terms of it, it's not just about STEM grads. That's certainly one where we have kind of a, a, a looming bathtub curve of we need a lot of people in STEM kind of across the board. Um, and then clearly space and national security space is a big part of that. So I really see taking on this this side gig, <laughs> if you will, as a way to continue this effort. So we're really trying to reach out to universities to say, hey, let's let's get in with our industrial partners at the university level in a more um, coherent way across the across the country, um, so we can try to achieve goals where it's like, hey, let's tap into these uh, ecosystems of students and expose them to what is the cool career path that going into not just national security space, but the space industry in general could bring. Um, and then of course, we, uh, we acknowledge there's a huge amount of emphasis on non-STEM. We need, uh, we need lawyers, we need accountants, we need economic majors, we need policy majors. Um, so we're trying to frame a curricula or a seminar series that can go out to targeted universities where as a cohort, we can join together and have discussions about um, space and national security space policy, uh, topics of relevant interest, as well as introduction to technical areas that are national security space specific as a fun intellectual uh, addendum to what they're getting in their classic uh, undergraduate curricula. So I think this is critically important to help industry and um from an industrial support perspective, and how can we dive into these targeted universities in, in a more coherent way and expose them to the wonderful career that they could have in, in this in this space? And I, you know, space could be a commercial company or a classic company or putting on the uniform and serving the country. There's all different ways where that can go and be very rewarding to them. Do you foresee the kind of tug and pull that we see in other industries uh, in the private and public sector competing for workers? Because, you know, even just a few years ago, you tell someone, I want to be a rocket scientist, they go, oh, you're going to work for NASA. Now that's obviously not the case. What do you uh, see as far as that angle goes? You know, I think if if we are successful, I hope we see more of that uh pull, that puts and takes in that game of tug of war. Um, it seems that we've had more of a, a of a separation in terms of people that gravitate to, especially on the uniformed service, people that actually say, yep, I'm going to join the Air Force, I'm going to join the Space Force, versus people that spend awesome careers in the industry, but never on the government side. Um, so I would really like to see that we have more attention there. Since, again, the Space Force is new, so we have a clean sheet of paper, but it's the first really digital force. So let's think about software engineering and automation and AI and um, all things connectivity. That's a whole different kind of person than you're typically recruiting to say, hey, let's, let's go join the military. So I'm hoping that we see more of that tension on the, the classic national security side. I think that would show that we've succeeded in tapping into a broader set of, of people that are pursuing or interested in technical degrees or space in general. Yeah, much like the defense sector, you know, the, the you, as you mentioned earlier, it's the one common goal. Um, could you foresee a, a, a rotating workforce sort of program of uh, people in the private sector maybe jumping onto the government ship just for a couple of years as part of a you know program to share knowledge and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, you know, I think something like that would be epically fun and very educational on both sides of the fence. So it's it's easier for people to revolve the other way right now. Um, so we have Air Force and Space Force officers that go into industry for uh, months or even a year, uh, and it's called education with industry. And then they go back into their government position. And I think those are just fantastic programs. Um it would be really neat to see it go the other way as well, which is difficult um, in in many ways with um, uh, financial disclosures. Um, how does that work with compensation packages, et cetera? So it's a little more limited in going the other way. Um, but I think that's an area of that needs exploration of what makes sense because you know I get it. You, you don't want to have the classic. Um, the cliche of the revolving door and, and raising the ethical concerns. But if we really are looking in terms of a, an education and an exposure, and that makes both sides of, of the government to the industry party understand each other better, and that can change how we, the relationship in the future and probably make it more efficient. So it obviously would need to be pretty closely watched and monitored, but I think there could be a there there in terms of what's a program like that that makes sense because I think that would be very beneficial to both sides. You don't have to uh, tell us about the uh, issues arising when the security clearance process gets involved there. So, right. um, yeah. But uh, wrapping up here, you know, uh, obviously we can tell from just the tone of your voice and how uh, excited you sound. You're obviously looking forward to a bright future. Um, what is the uh, what are, are there any aspects or technological breakthroughs that uh, you're most excited about um, looking towards the future? Oh, gosh, I think one area of uh, where I'm excited for technology is when we can really see ubiquitous calm. Um, one area, kind of the more terrestrial part, is literally the terrestrial part. But when uh, ground architectures are um, easily configurable, and so we can have the demand signals and kind of how rapidly can a ground architecture respond and change and be retasked, that opens up a lot. And then the other element of that is the faster, cooler, probably, you know, the optical comm sorts of things of the space layers to say, oh my God, now things can be eye-watering where we can have automation and edge processing and decision-making processes that can happen in space to um, have decision-making and movement of data and it happen just, you know, literally at the speed of light. And um, that opens up a whole realm of communication and um, data flow where it's like, whoa, I, I think that would be absolutely eye-watering from all of our perspectives, whether, you know, pilots, mariners, um, cat videos, you know, you can have cat videos everywhere. <laughs> I'm in for that. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think the fundamental calm element, uh, both on the ground and in the space layer will be, I think what will be transformative kind of then across um, to all industries. And, and then we can start even creating some more. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, 
Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.